0: So we'll read these, Psalm 123, and notice at the top you'll see a Song of Degrees. Unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look unto the hand of their masters, and as the eyes of maiden unto the hand of her mistress, So our eyes wait upon Thee, upon the Lord our God, until that He have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease, and with the contempt of the proud. I'd like to just say this, this uh, Song of Degrees, that begins in Psalm number 20 and goes through Psalm number 134. So 15 psalms that are called song uh, Songs of Degrees, and it really means a song of ascent. So I, I'd like for you, I believe this would be, uh, m- maybe you could see this. In Psalm 120, in distress I cried unto the Lord. Listen to verse number five Woe is me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. So he says, I'm dwelling in a place of foreign, a foreign place. I'm dwelling in a place of a barbarous people. The word Meshach means scattered. The word Kedar means dark-skinned people. Kedar, the son of Ishmael. The next Psalm. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. It looks like he may be looking toward Jerusalem. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go unto the house of the Lord. He's going into the temple. Psalm 123, Unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwelleth in the heavens. He's looking past the temple and looking unto the God. That's the God of the temple. Looks like he's climbing, doesn't it? I don't know that we could say that all the way to Psalm 134 may very well in in different ways. The last psalm that he writes about, how, uh, bless ye, behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. You know, he's getting to a place where there's a place of praise unto God. So let's look at Psalm 123. And you know, I would say this as a whole. If you're living for God, if you're a child of God, the world and the unbelievers and those that are at ease, you know, you're contempt in their eyes. They'd like to injure you. They'd like to hurt you. They're too great for you. You're under them. But let us look at this. We'll get to that if the Lord bid us to. Unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Where is he looking? I tell you, he's looking unto God Almighty. His eyes are above the earth. His eyes are above the help of man. I believe you could say this, His eyes are above the help of the church. His eyes have gone beyond that. His eyes are under the God that is in heaven. And you know, here He is. I wrote down just a few things. Above what? (laughs) Above my sight. God, help me to look above what I can see. Help me to look above what my perception is. You know, we're talking about looking to a God who is in heaven. What's His perception? You know, y- y- you, can just, you could just go up here to the top of Turkey. It's a different view, isn't it? You can go up in an airplane. It's a different view. 30,000 feet, I- I- 1,000 feet. 1,000 feet above this floor right here. That's a different view. What do you think the view of God is? I tell you, God's got a view of all of it. God help us, as the psalmist said, I lift up, unto thee I lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens, above my reach, above my sight, above my comprehension. God help me to look unto you because what I'm looking at looks impossible. What I'm looking at looks like a mess. What I'm looking at, Lord, looks like there's no hope. But the psalmist is looking above that and he's looked beyond, he's looked beyond. Ishmael, He's looked beyond dwelling amongst the heathen. He's looked beyond looking toward Jerusalem. He's looked beyond the temple. He's looked unto the God whose dwelling is in the heavens. And I tell you there, He set His eyes. He set His eyes there. Why? Why has He set His eyes there? Lord, I look there unto Thee, lift up. Mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. I believe he says this. You know, he's looking there with an expectation. In the book of Hebrews, a very familiar scripture, chapter 11, verse 6 But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, he's going to wait on the Lord. Lord, I'm looking to you as a servant looks unto his master, as a maiden looks unto her mistress. You know, as, as the psalmist is writing this, you know, there, that was a different day. We speak the commands today. They didn't do that then. the The, the servant... And the maiden looked for something that the master or the mistress wanted. Most of the time it was by the hand. It was some little signal. But God, I'm waiting on you. Lord, I'm looking unto you. This is beyond my ability. This is beyond my... This is past my ability... This is beyond me, God. But I know this, this is not past your limitation. This is not beyond your reach. God, I, I'm looking to one that is in control. What about a God who one of the writers said, the heaven is His throne and the earth is His footstool. He created it all. It's all in order by Him. It's all going on by Him. It's all upheld by every word that comes from His mouth. My God, we've got a place to look to. We've got someone to look to. Unto Thee, O Lord, unto Thee, unto Thee lift up my eyes, O Thou that dwellest. And He's going to say in verse number 3, Lord our God, in verse number uh, verse number 2, Lord our God, to number 3, O oh Lord. You know, we're talking about the one that saved us. The one that brought us into the family of God that's the one that still cares about you today. Though you may be contempted, though you may be made fun of, though you may be had in derision, though uh, it may seem that all is against you, though, though I, I believe today God's people, it's been that way all throughout the Bible and much, very much so today. God's people are in contempt today. I mean, the world thinks that we haven't got enough strength, enough sense, enough ability to take care of ourselves. Thank God, the God that is in the heavens, that dwelleth in the heavens, spoke to our hearts one day, and let us look beyond the horizontal and look unto the heavenly. Listen to the psalmist. Behold, as the eyes of the servant look into the hand of their masters, as the eyes of the maiden into the hand of her mistress. Now you think about that. Not only are they looking for direction, of what God wants me to do. I believe that's where we got to take it. We've got to take it to God. We've got to get beyond the king and beyond the servant and beyond the, <coughs> beyond the slave, beyond the mistress. What does God want me to do? History says that the master or the mistress, if she was on the bed, you know where the little maiden was? at the other side of the room, maybe against the wall. And you know what she was looking for? Some movement of the hand of the mistress to let her know what she wanted her to do. So God help us today that we be sensitive to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God that dwells within us, to the unction of the Holy Ghost as we read His Word, as as our every day comes around, that we might be sensitive to the Spirit and the power of God, that we might be sensitive. God, are you giving me a signal here? Lord, I'm not hearing your voice ring in the depths of my heart and soul, but God, it seems as though I I, I can see some little movement of the hand. That's the way it was in this day. You know, I can, I can remember this. At a sheepdog trial, a man's dog, was tr- uh, he was trying to pin these seven sheep. Trying to put them in a pen. And you know, he can't do anything with his hands. All he can do is speak or whistle to the dog. He reached up and pulled his hat off. Now, the judge didn't see that as any hand signal. That made all the difference in the dog moving in the way that the man wanted the dog to move. You might think that's silly, but all oh, could we be sensitive to God? Because the servant, behold, as the eyes of the servant look unto the hand of their master's, and as the eyes of the maiden and of the hand of her mistress, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until that He have mercy upon us. Lord, we're looking unto you. God, we're in contempt. We're in derision. We're, we're made fun of. We're filled with contempt. We, we're at a place that they're scorning us. But Lord, we're looking unto you. Listen to Psalm number 38. Psalm, I'm sorry, number 30 verse, Psalm 32, verse eight. "This is the Lord. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eyes. So God, who the psalmist says in 123, is dwelling in heaven, don't you know that He's looking over the situation? Don't you know that he is aware of what's around the bend? Don't you know that he is mindful? He says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee. I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to direct you. I'm going to advise you. I'm going to caution you. And I'm going to do that because I know what lies ahead. Moses said to his father-in-law, he said, why don't you go with us? Why don't you go with us? You, you, you know the territory. You know this part of the country. Why don't you go with us and be our eyes? The Lord said, I'll instruct you. I'll guide you. I'll direct you. I'll caution you. How does He do that? He does that through His Word, through the Holy Spirit, through us digging in His Word, and through the unction of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And you know something, I tell you, if it wasn't for the direction of God, what would we do? Listen, listen to what the the Isaiah said. I'm sorry, let me turn to a different, in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse number 18. Isaiah chapter 30, verse number 18. And therefore will the Lord wait that He may be gracious unto you, and therefore will He be exalted, that He may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are they that wait for Him. What are they waiting for? I tell you, God's doing this in that verse. God is waiting on them. God is waiting on them in Isaiah chapter 30 to come to the terms of the Word. But He is waiting also on them and when they come, you know what He's going to do? He's going to bless them because they waited. He's going to bless them because they came to the Word of God. You know, if I expect God to help me, I have to wait on Him. And friend, I need to wait on Him. I believe the psalmist is waiting on Him in faith. The psalmist is waiting on Him. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You remember that? Isaiah chapter 40. God, I, I want you to know this, He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten you in your time of trouble. He hasn't forgotten you in your turmoil. He hasn't forgotten you when it looks like all the world is caving in on us and God has forgot. He has not forgotten you. You wait on the Lord. God help us to keep our eyes in His Word. I'll look for His hand. Look for, look for the least little movement of God's God's hand, and let us be attentive to that and wait on the Lord and know this God, our eyes are upon you, just like the maid. I tell you this the maid was a maid, most likely, that was a slave, and the servant was a servant that was a slave. You're a child. You've been bought with a a price. So were they, but they were slaves. You've been bought with a price. By love. Can you see that? You were bought with a price by the love of God. You are not a servant, but you are a son. And I say that for the ladies as well. And the reason I say that is because the daughter got no inheritance but you and I are sons and daughters of God, and He put the daughters on an equal plane with the sons. You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. God help us to be mindful, uh, to keep our eye on the Lord, uh, because I tell you that God is going to speak. God is going to give direction. God is going to give us some inclination of the way that He wants us to go. Help us to wait on Him. He is aware... He's aware of what's going on. He's aware of the derision. He's aware of the contempt. He's aware of the injury. He's aware of the insulting. He's aware of the making little of you. He's aware that people think they're great and they're mighty and they don't need God. And you've needed God. It shows your weakness. I tell you what it does in the whole whole realm of things. It shows the favor of God to you reason you're saved. God has been favorable to you. Behold our eyes. Behold as the eyes of the servant look into the hand of their masters, as the eyes of the maiden and of the hand of her mistress. So our eyes wait upon the Lord our God Until that he have mercy. That word there means gracious. Lord, that you'd be gracious to us. God, that you might be gracious unto us. And I know this. Lord, I'm in expectation of you doing that. Can you see that? This little maiden and this servant. Do you know that everything they had come from their master? Their bread come from the master? they have any children that come from the Master? You might say, well, no, I don't see that. I say He's the one that allowed it or did not allow it. He could have destroyed their children if the wives became pregnant. He could destroy them. Every blessing, every goodness, our bl- our bread, their bread, their blessings, their the, everything that they had. They're their covering a place of shelter, a place of refuge. Someone that cared, someone that was for them, someone that spoke for them. Uh, you know something, I tell you, We've got a master, and we've got a we've got a God today that cares for His own. He has not forgotten us. God help us that our eyes be upon him in expectation. Lord, we're waiting until you show mercy. We're waiting, Lord, until you come, to you show yourself. In first Peter chapter number five, a very familiar scripture. He said humble yourselves. Now what do you think? What do you think about that little maiden or that servant? You think they had to be humble? I believe they had to be humble. I believe there was no exaltation of a servant in the presence of their master or in the presence of their mistress. You remember remember when Hagar rose up against Sarah? I tell you that didn't go too good, did it? It won't be any good for me either. But he says in First Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. Now, let me ask you this. Is that verse that was probably written in my Bible, probably around 60 AD, 2023? That verse is still good. That verse is still good. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may, that He may exalt you. I don't believe He's saying that perhaps, I believe He's saying that He can, that He will. Humble yourselves therefore into the mighty hand of God that He can, that He will exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon Him. For He careth for you. Has He proved that? I tell you, over and over and over again. Though, I tell you, though at times we feel like, don't you imagine that Job felt like God had forgotten him, God had forsaken him, when his friends railed on him, when his wife said, why don't you curse God and die? When the devil covered him from top to bottom with sores all over him, don't you reckon maybe he thought that God had forgotten him? No, no, no. God had not forgotten him. I tell you, he humbled himself before God and in due time, God exalted him. He did. And though it may be terrible... Around us. Listen to what the Bible says. Have mercy upon us. God, we have an expectation of You having mercy. Know this, friend. In Luke chapter number 18, Jesus says, faint not. Pray and don't faint. Look to God. Look to the God who dwells in heaven. Look to the God who is over all. Look to the God who sees all. Look to the God whose character is merciful and love and long suffering and who would in no wise cast out one of his own. Look to that God and listen. I'm going to give you a little example. The unjust judge said to the woman, I'm not granting your petition. But she kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. No regard for her. No regard for God. And yet God said, He gave her her request. Will God not give us our request? Does God not love us? He loves us. He loves His church. He loves His children. He loves though, though, though uh, the verse just come, but... Just listen to this. We're kept by the power of God. We greatly rejoice. Wherein you greatly rejoice that we're kept, that we've got a home in heaven, we've got an inheritance coming. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be. Who decides whether I need this or not? I don't want to say that insensitive to you. What I'm going through today may be of absolutely no concern to you. But know this, what I'm going through and what you're going through and what you're going through is a concern unto God. Listen to these words. Wherein we greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial, the testing, the revelation. Oh, thank God. I'll say this, friend. Would you say this? Would you say Job had a faith that was revealed in the end? Would you say that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a faith that was revealed? Did Daniel have a faith that was revealed? Or did James and John have a faith that was revealed? Or did Paul have a faith that was revealed? I tell revel- you, the revelation of a genuine faith comes through trials many, many the time. It does. Don't be disheartened. Look to Him who dwells in the heavens. Look to that God. Look to that God just like that little servant looked to her mistress. Look to that God for mercy. Look to that God for the bread. Look to that God for a, a, a relief. Look to that one that saved you and bought you and brought you into the family of God. Don't let the world take away your joy or take away your confidence in the God that is unchanging. My circumstance and your circumstance is in a continual state of change. But God does not change. (laughs) The trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold, which perisheth, though it be tried with fire, may be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know what's going to happen? I tell you in this psalm right here, they may be great contempt, insult, injury, downing downing the church, downing you as an individual because of your trust in God, but I tell you this, friend, there's a God of recompense on the throne. There's a God of mercy on the throne. There's a God that loves you on the throne. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Lord, we're saturated. Lord, continually. We're under insult. We're under injury. We're under shame. We're under disgrace. God, it's a continual battle. Listen to what Paul said in the fourth chapter of 1 Corinthians Paul said, We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise. Now, let me ask you this. From what perception are we fools for Christ's sake? Is that from God's perception that we're fools? Huh. No, that's the world. The world looks at us and they says, Why, you're a bunch of fools. But through that, listen to this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. Though people may think you a fool, it may very well be through you, through the trial of your faith, through your perseverance, through your not letting up, that they become wise in Christ. Listen a little farther what Paul says here. But ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honorable. We're despised. I tell you, the view from... Heaven and the view from the world that we live in this is totally different about the Christian, isn't it? The child of God is thought a fool, the child of God is thought weak, the child of God is, is thought contemptuous. the child of God is scorned, the child of God is scoffed at. But let me tell you this: from God's perspective, it looks a whole lot different from God's perspective. Paul said, "We're weak, but you're strong." He said, we're, you're honorable." <laughs> you know the world we're living in. Verse number three and verse number four in this Psalm one twenty three. You know what we got? We got some proud people. Proud people. People that are at ease. People have got our, They've got it all going their way. I tell you, before you can blink your eye, the whole world can change. I tell you, I need the favor of God. I need the help of the Lord. I need the guidance of the Lord. I need to put my faith and my trust in the Lord. Paul goes on to say, "...even unto this present hour..." We both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. What's he doing? He is being defamed. He's in contempt. He's being, he's being cast down by the proud, uh, by, by those that are higher. But you know what he's doing? Is, he's interceding for them. I say this, the Lord said it and Stephen said it and we could say it. It may, take, it may take the greatness of the grace of God for us to say it. God forgive them. They know not what they do. You know what they're doing? They're following the natural nature of fallen man. Paul said, "Being defamed, we entreat; we are made as the filth of the world. That—that's what's going on in Psalm one twenty-three. They're made, being made, the filth of the world, and are the offscaring of all things unto this day. I write these things not to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. You know." For the liars in the pulpit that tells their church, family, and their people that they are converting instead of God converting that everything's gonna be wonderful i tell you this, friend. That's not the Scripture. That's not the, what I see. That's not what Paul had. That's not what Peter had. That's not what Jesus had. And if Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Son of God come down to the earth, the Son of God that did all manner of miracles, the Son of God that fed the thousands, the Son of God that raised the dead, if He is going to suffer persecution and you and I are going to live godly, we're going to be persecuted, defamed, railed on, insulted, injured, cast down by a lost and a dying world. Look with me a little farther. Have mercy upon us, O God, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly... Running over, we are exceedingly filled. We are saturated with contempt, with shame, with disgrace. God, it looks as though... Y- y- you think about Jeremiah. Why did Jeremiah say, I'm quitting? I tell you, everything that he did, there was someone wanted to kill him, injure him, beat him, stomp him, destroy his life, make him look like a fool... That's what we encounter more today than anything, is try to make us look like a fool. That's that's the world we're living in today, to make us look like fools. You know, we, we looked in the book of Nehemiah, Sunday, see if this doesn't sound right. Have mercy upon us, Lord, for we are filled, we are exceedingly, we're saturated with contempt. Hear, O God, four and four in the book of Nehemiah, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey into the land of captivity. Lord, they're against us. Lord, they're making fun of us. Even from inside of Judah, even from inside the church, people says it's no use. You better get your eyes off of them and look into him whose dwelling is in the heavens. We need to climb up. We need a song of degree. We need to we need to ascend a little farther than the horizontal. Because I tell you, on the horizontal, it don't look too good. But we gotta keep in mind who is on the throne. Listen just a little more. So we're saturated. Listen to what uh Hebrews chapter 12, very familiar scripture. Hebrews 12 and verse number 2. You feel like throwing in the towel? Listen to what Paul says here in Hebrews 12. He said, looking unto Jesus, let us run. Let us run the race that's set before us. Let us lay aside every weight that does hinder us. You got something hindering you today? Could you lay that aside? Could you look beyond that weight and look beyond the hindrance and look to the God that's dwelling as in the heavens, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy for the, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Should we consider Him? Consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Him, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. There's where it's at. We look at all the opposition. And mostly, we're not enduring what honestly some people are enduring in other countries. We're not enduring our heads cut off. We're not enduring being thrown in prison. We're not enduring that. But what we have to deal with today mostly is the tongues of men and women in this world. That's what we deal with the most. But lest we faint... Can you can you see the picture? Can you see all the jeering? Can you see the making fun? Can you see that they said, "Let's see if Elias will come"? Can you see them putting vinegar and gall on a sponge and putting it to his lips? No, that wasn't wine. No, I tell you, it was something to uh, uh, to make his misery worse. That's the world we're living in today, folks. We're living in a world that hates Christianity. We're living in a world who hates... You're living in the midst of a world that hates Christians. You're living in a world that loves every ungodly thing coming and going, that loves every kind of ungodliness and puts the name of love on it. But you want to talk about Jesus Christ. We don't want to hear that. We're living in a world that is opposed to that. Let's think just a little bit more on this last verse. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and the contempt of the proud. So, are they mockers? Yeah, yeah, they're mockers. What kind of world are we living in? Do all things, now, now take this verse and put this in the frame of that, that little maiden and that servant watching at, for the hand or the movement or the finger or some movement from their master, from their mistress to watch. Paul says this, do all things without murmuring. What's he talking about? The former verse said, that It is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Listen, people may close their eyes when the light comes on And if you're a child of God and you turn the light on or God turns the light on through you, the world is going to turn their head and turn their face away. But know this, God has used you to turn the light on. Are we in contempt? Are we being scorned? Are we being made fun of? Or our soul is exceedingly filled with a scorning Lord, with, with a scorning of those that are at ease, where are they? I believe it can be right here in the church. They're at ease. Now, I just say this for me. I could say it for some of you too. God starts digging... There's normally a little handful of people in this church that moves to God's digging. That's the truth. And there's no movement from others. If there is movement, it's because the first people moved. Why is that? Why is it that God... Why is it that there's people that are at ease? And then there's another group of people. I believe there's a group of people that are constantly watching the Master. Constantly listening for something from the Master. Constantly looking and desiring to hear some word. If there's the least little inclination that God wants us to do something then we move our heart, our lives, our mind, our body, our soul to what God wants us to do. We're coming through the Word, coming through the unction of the Holy Spirit, but there is a group of people there that are at ease. There are a group of people there that has no worries. There's a group of people there that has no concern. There's a group of people there that are satisfied where they are. Are we really listening to God? Let me ask you this. When you read in Amos, Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. Does being at ease sound like a good thing? Does that sound like a good thing? Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorning of those that are at ease. I realize that you could say that's the lost world. But are there lost people sitting in our churches today? That it seems as though there's nothing. God never digs about them. God never prunes them. There's no need for them to come, no need for them to pray, no need for them to repent, no need for them to move up. They're fine and they are at ease. They are satisfied where they are. They are in a secure location. They are in a place with no worries. I tell you, that's a whole lot different than being in a place that I'm not worried about my eternal destiny, but I'm worried about my daily walk with God. I believe there's a great difference there. Maybe I'm not getting that across too good. Amos chapter 6 verse 1. Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria which are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. What's he saying there? Well, well, here, here's Samaria and here's Israel. You know what they're looking to? They're looking to their forts. Here's Jerusalem, the the city of Israel, the capital. Why, there's nobody can get to us. Here's Samaria. There's nobody can get to us. I mean, we can sit back and take it easy. Is that what Christianity is? Is Christianity on a daily basis (laughs) just sit back and take it easy? I've never found that. I've never found that God would let me be at ease. When the, when the man come to preach, when God speaks to my heart, when I'm reading His Word, when I'm hearing another brother preach, when I'm hearing the Sunday school, can I sit there at ease? But there's a group of people at ease. There's a group of people, I, I, I believe they're thinking in their mind, wonder what's wrong with them. Wonder why they're going to the altar again. Wonder why they're praying? I wonder why. Wonder why every time uh, uh, the preacher preaches, or it gets real straight, or gets real tight. Wonder why they always go to the altar. You know what? We ought to wonder. We ought to wonder why doesn't it ever affect us? Why isn't there ever a message that affects me? Why isn't there anything that bothers me? Why do I not see any need to move up? Why don't I see that I'm not growing in God? I'll tell you what it is. It's because we're at ease where we are. And it's not a good thing. I say this, I rest in my salvation. But there's no place for me to rest between right now until the fulfillment of that salvation. There's no place for me to rest from here to there. We're at ease. So I said in the psalm, it looks like the lost world. It looks like the lost world inside the church too. A people that are at ease in Zion. A people that are at ease in Jerusalem. A people that are at ease in the place of blessing from God. Isaiah chapter 32. Here's a people that are at ease. Isaiah 32 verse 9. I'm going to read 21, twenty-three, four again. Our soul is exceedingly filled with scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. Rise up. Isaiah 32, 9. Rise up, you women that are at ease. Hear my voice, you careless daughters. That's what's going on, folks. You know why? You know why the devil never bothers us? What he owns is at ease, his goods are at peace. He owns the house. He owns the heart. He owns the life. I tell you this, when God comes by with His Word, God comes by with His Spirit, I tell you time after time after time after time, I see that I need to get up. I see I need to move. I see that I need to get away from where I think I'm secure and that I can sit down and relax and take it easy see where God desires me to move to His Word. Are we looking? Are we looking unto our Master? Listen to these words. What what a terrible situation. Isaiah 32, 9, Rise up you women that are at ease. Hear my voice you careless daughters. Give ear unto my speech. Many days and years shall be troubled. You shall be troubled. I say this, when you leave this world unsaved, there'll never be an end to your trouble. There'll never be an end to your sorrow. There'll never be an end. We may be at ease today, and we're living in a world who is very much at ease, and we're living amongst the people that sit in our churches that are very much at ease. God's Word comes by. God gives a command. God gives a direction. God moves His hand. God moves your heart. God stirs you. God speaks to you. And there's no movement. Let me tell you this. The days of trouble are going to be many. The days of darkness shall be many. Many days and years shall be troubled. Ye who? You women that are at ease. You careless daughters. You that do not hear... Let He said, it, listen, if you're not going to hear My grace... If you're not going to hear my call to come to grace, let me tell you what you will hear. You will hear my call of judgment. You will hear my final call. You shall many days troubled, careless daughters, for the vintage shall fail, the gathering shall not come. Tremble, you women that are at ease. Be troubled, fearful, concerned, strip you, and make you bare, and gird sackcloth upon your loins, that they shall lament for the teats, for the pleasant field, for the fruitful vine. Upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars, yea, upon all the houses of joy in the joyous city. What's coming? Hey, what's coming? There's coming a breast with no milk. There's coming a vineyard with no grapes. There's coming a crop with no head on it. There's coming a day of sorrow. Why is that? Because people are at ease today. I tell you, friend, there's coming a day of trouble, a day of sorrow. And who is that to? I tell you right here in one twenty three, here in Isaiah, in the book of Amos, it's to careless. It's to the careless daughters. It's to those that are at ease. Oh, oh, I'll tell you what it is. We're proud. We're in contempt and the scorning of the proud. We're proud of who we are. We're proud of our longevity. We're proud of our religiosity. We're proud of who we are. We're proud of our stay in the church. We're proud of who we are in the neighborhood. We're proud of our morality. I ask this, are you proud of the Lord that saved you? Are you proud to move to His Word? Are you too proud to move when God gives a command? We're at ease in here, in the heart. I'm not a prophet. Don't claim to be a prophet. But our United States of America is going to fall just exactly like Israel fell, Jerusalem fell, Rome fell, Proud, careless, at ease. No desire for God. That can be nationwide. And that can be individual-wide. Right down to you as an individual. Am I doom and gloom? No, I'm not doom and gloom. But you know what we ought to do? We ought to have some reality. We ought to have a little reality check. We ought to look at our world that we're living in today and say, how long can God allow this? How long has God allowed this doings? How long has God allowed man to live? How long has God allowed somebody to sit in the church house year after year after year and there's never any need? There's never... I, I, I believe it and I saw it over and over, that old 80-20 rule. That happens right here in the church house. Over and over again. It's that same little group of people that if we took a survey... With a concealed ballot. And you wrote down the five most spiritual people in the church. Those five most spiritual people in the church is the people that's continually trying to move up. Those five most spiritual people in the church are the people that's constantly in the altar. They're the ones that are constantly trying to move their heart and their lives the word of God but there's a group that is at ease what a dangerous place so I believe a twofold message a message to those that are at ease and a message to those that are seeking unto God know this that God is going to deliver that we may be going through trials, we may be going through trouble, we may be scorned, we may be, we, 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 we may be uh, 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 looking at a people that you know you might say, well, they're, they're, they're way above me. Let me tell you this. Just like James said to me and Donna in the Sunday school room, every man and woman comes into this world the same way. And every man and woman is going out of this world same way. What's going to happen in the heart? Those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud, you know, you're in the world today. You're way below the majority. The majority is way above you you're just a little ignorant somebody that needs a crutch and needs help and needs something to lean on. But know this, the God of heaven above is in control of the proud and those that are at ease and that man and that woman that's looking unto him that dwells in heaven. Thank God for the promises that